Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. That's what it's all about, interrupting someone's life, making them see all the things they took for granted. When they go back and buy all this stuff from the shelves with the insurance money, they'll have to think for the first time in a long time why they wanted all this stuff, what it's for. You take it away, and you show them what they podcasted. That was, that was a great impression of, of Alex Haw. That wasn't bad, right? It was excellent. A great impression of someone no one's ever exactly. heard. Exactly, yeah. Griffin finally did a good impression, guys. And it has no application no, outside of what never. I just did. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, germs, hmm. burglars, mind thieves. Sure. Anarchists. Y- yeah. Tars yeah. robots. Magicians. Magicians. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh. What else has he done? Joey Pants. Yeah. Yep. Spoiler alert, we're going to put some pants on in this miniseries. We are. Uh, my name's Griffin Newman. I'm David Sims. This is a podcast called Blank Check with... Griffin and David. We're not two gonna, people we just mentioned. Right. We're not going to do some crazy Nolan-esque fractured narrative where you don't find out who was hosting the show. <laughs> Blank Check with Griffin and... Griffin? Yeah, what? <laughs> oh, no, it was David all along. Um, this is a podcast about filmmakers. Mm. Auteurs, one could argue. Sure. Uh, filmmakers who had massive success early on in their career and they were given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they wanted. Sometimes those checks clear. They do. Sometimes. Once in a while. Every once in a while they do. With this guy, more often than not. This guy, I would argue, pulled one of the craziest moves of all time, which is what seemed like his big blank check movie ended up being so big that it's the kind of movie that would have given someone else a blank check. You're right. You're right. Checks on checks. Had, it's a check within a check. He's got some check style stacked up. I got him. I got him with that one. Checking a check. I got my boy with that one. Your boy? Yeah, my boy Benny. Your oh, boy hey. pr- producer Ben? Yeah. Ben yep. Deucer? You were, we're, we haven't even finished the introduction, but yeah, go Brewer for Brewer Ben, it. the poet laureate. <laughs> Finest film critic. The tiebreaker. Birthday Benny. The Haas. All those things. Mr. Positive. Mr. Positive. Yeah. Dirtbike Benny. Oh, for sure. <laughs> the meat lover, the fart detective. Oh the my God, master. they keep going on. It's not Professor Crispy. No. no. He is the peeper. Yeah. yeah. You see him in the streets, wish him a hearty hello, Fennel. Please. And of course, he's graduated to certain titles over certain miniseries, a concept yeah. I still haven't established within the body of <laughs> this episode. <laughs> Good. Such as producer Ben Kenobi, yeah. Kylo Ben, yeah. Ben Night Shyamalan, Ben's Eight, Say Benny Thing, yeah. Ailey Ben's with a dollar sign, and Warhaz. That's a good one. I it like slides Warhaz. right in there, I think. Yep. I move my microphone. So we do miniseries. We pick a director and we go through their films one mm. episode per movie to track their career. You never said sometimes they bounce, baby. Oh, sometimes they bounce, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Just FYI. Just wanted you to get that out there. Answer my favorite boy, Benny. Um, and this is a new mini series on the films of Christopher Nolan, and it is called. I didn't even check the poll. I assume you did. With a smashing fifty-two percent, I believe was the final oh, outcome. It was close. It was neck and neck the whole time. It was fun watching it happen. The Pod Night casts. That's right. The Pod Night casts. I think the right one won. The right night. I think so won. too. 
just looking at him, I was like, you know, why play it safe? I also think why I why not sound like a bad Batman podcast? Sure. Yeah. And I also think this is our first a uh, mini series title. Mini series title. This is our first mini series title that I think kind of almost sounds like it's establishing a new character. The Pod Knight. Yeah, who's the Pod Knight? It's this. It's this English guy. Well, we don't know yet. We're we're gonna figure that out. All no right. spoilers. Today we're covering the first film that Christopher Nolan made in 1998. It was a film he wrote, directed, shot, I believe, edited as well himself. Uh, yes, he did all of those things. Uh, very much a one-man production. Made for $6,000. Released on one screen. Sure, it was released at uh, festivals, various sure. festivals. Sure, it was sort of a calling card film. and uh, Came out in Britain, I think, in some tiny right. way as well. And only three films later, he'd be making Batman. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Crazy. Not, only, not crazy. only that, but just like seven years later. Like, yeah. It wasn't even, you know, yeah. He went from 6,000 to like 175 million mm-hmm. in six years. Mm-hmm. Little Englishman. Little Englishman. Uh, and this is a scrappy film. You know, Christopher Nolan has been on the record as saying that he doesn't really believe in film school. He thinks the best film school is making a movie. And this is very much a movie that feels like him teaching himself how to make a movie. Yeah. It's a film school movie. And I don't mean like it feels like it was made by somebody in film school. I feel like it, yeah, like you say, it feels like someone who's like. Learn the ropes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I could put the camera here, maybe. Right. And I guess what's kind of interesting about Christopher Nolan is just how quick that learning curve seemed to be. For sure. But what's that movie called? The movie's called Following. This is also a movie that to me is a really good example of why you want professional actors in your movies. Not that no beef with the movie. But you yeah. watch this, then you watch Memento. Sure. You know, you're like, wow, wow, look at these actors. I, mean, I got a lot of things to say about the acting in this movie, but we'll, yes. we'll get to it. Mm-hmm. Good and bad. There, are, I had a lot of interesting thoughts watching the performances in this movie. I had a lot of interesting thoughts watching this movie, which I was happy about considering you always worry with the, uh, yeah. with the wide awakes. Well, not wide awakes. With, with the praying with angers, you yes. know. Um, with the Piranha 2s. Right. Your, your Lost World Jurassic Parks, the oh, first God, film. You know, these amateurish... First films by directors. These little test tube babies. Um, had you seen the film before? Dude? I had. You when had. I was in university in Britain. Wait, no, but you're American. You I would know, have gone but to university. I lived in Britain for a great period of Wait, time. What? I would have heard about this. I would no, have heard about this crazy. if it happened. I would have heard about this. What's that? We should. We should. Should we have an Inception noise, like, drop that we just do oh, yeah, ben. every time? The um, anyway, yes. Great. Uh, living in Britain, okay. I believe I had already seen, you know, follow, uh, you know, Memento, Insomnia, and Batman Begins. Humble break. Uh I was like, you know what I should check out, though, is that dude's first movie. It was yeah. on DVD. Yeah. I got it on Love Film, which was... Yeah, the early competitor to Netflix, which has now been crushed yeah. and subsumed by it in Britain, and I watched it, and you know what I remembered? None of it. Yeah, same here. So I remember. Uh, I remember that it was in black and white. Yeah, that's about it. My local video store was called uh, TLA Great Video Store. Is it gone now? Yep. Rip. I think it's a chain that still exists. In maybe San Francisco. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Sorry. Carry on. And sometimes they bounce. Maybe. <laughs> um. But uh, they, the thing I loved, especially when I was like a nerdy teenager, preteen, boy, who was were you? really, really was uh, really getting into movies was they would organize their movies by director. Sure. 
Sure. Rather so than could, by genre. So you could just be like, let me get the next one. Right, because yeah. I'd be like Altman. Let me crack open Altman. And yeah. it was like all the Altman was just kind of there. That's and cool. I can even sort of strategize like reading the boxes and going like, what do I want to watch next? What, sure, sure. You know? Um, but I would always, I, I was really into Christopher Nolan. That's, it's funny that you've never said this before about the video store. Yeah. Because that's probably one reason you like the director-focused right. approach of this podcast. You're very it right. It was in, drilled into you from a young age. Because I would do that. And I'll say, uh, you know, I... You went to an auteur video yes. store. Yes, I did. And I also, um, I, I kind of consume media in general that way. Uh-huh. Like, people go like, oh, any new bands you're listening to? And it's like, essentially, I will get into a band and then try to listen to everything sure, they've ever sure, done sure. before I get into a new band. You I know? get you. Yes. No. I, I have this. Uh, I have this sensation as well. Right. Oh, for these four months, I'm all about Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Oh, I'll admit that the TVs, the changing of TV, has kind of made me feel different. You know, that's like, changed. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like I just can't watch everything anymore. But you're connoisseurs of context. We know this. We love. Yes, context. we are connoisseurs. Of context. And you're also you're collectors. Very much so. Right. That's true. Yeah. So you have to collect the whole discography. That's right. True. It's that sense. That's true. And I remember like, you know, I, I would go. Do you remember all music? I mean, it's of still course. a website. I used to go to all music all, all the, the time. time. Did you ever use all music? I like, then? No. I like swore by that. Yeah, that fucking website where yeah. it would be like, yeah, well, the best two, you know, albums by X or Wild Gift in Los Angeles. Like those are the five stars. And then, you know. Here's your interesting ones. Before. You know, you'd look at the discography. It, it was kind of like IMDb for albums. I guess it still exists, but no one uses it anymore. I, I think it just was one of those things that did not keep up its, like, format. And yeah. now it just looks like garbage. It was like IMDb, but for albums, but there were also reviews in there. Like you I guess know, albums it, also just became less of a yeah. thing. But, like, if I was getting into Cheap Trick, I'd look up Cheap Trick's page, and there you have, like, in order all of their albums. Sure. There's, like, With an official rating. review and a star rating for each one. Uh, which I'm looking you, at it now. Here's sometimes the star track. ratings were contested, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then also, like, re-releases, different versions, so you understood what tracks existed out there and stuff like that. But, like, sometimes I get into a band like Cheap Trick and be like, okay, they really only had, like, 10 years there where they were really in the pocket. I'm only going to buy these six albums. Oh, and sometimes man. it would be this sense of, like, completing everything. And what's weird is that at the time I got really into Nolan, like, I was— I flipped out over Batman Begins. Yes, yes. And then I went back and watched Memento and Insomnia, and it was like, he only had four films at that point. I remember seeing following there on the shelf and being like, oh, this movie looks really small. This was like his real early thing. And never watching it until five years ago when they remastered it for the Criterion Collection. They did right. a screening at the IFC. Right. I went with Sam Rogal, past and future guest of this podcast. Mm, past. And, uh, As you know, he's banned. I can't even remember what the opinion was, but he's banned. He'll be very happy to hear that you can't remember what the opinion <laughs> no, is. No, I do. He's, I'm listening back through the back catalog again. I'll get to it again, whatever it was. He's genuinely miffed. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Sam. He's going to launch a whole campaign, a retrial. Oh, God, no. No more campaigns. Just FYI, all listeners. Oh, yeah, by the way. Do not campaign campaigns are done. on this podcast. Yeah, we don't believe in campaigning in the abstract. That worked once. <laughs> We went to see it. They remastered the film and Nolan presented it. Right. I actually, I found some article that's a, a report of that very screening or the Q&A or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But like, so I saw it in a theater with Nolan present. It's like a night I remember vividly and also remembered none of this movie. It's Well, it's, look, it's not a that memorable a movie. It's a good calling card film. I actually liked it more watching it this it's time, a, I think. It's a good calling card film. Like I just saw, you know, I feel like once in a while, especially now that I'm a critic and I see a lot of movies, yeah. like you see these movies where you're like, this guy is going to be big. Right. Like, I just know it. This director, there's a lot of panache here. Like, yeah. I mean, I guess Krisha was a movie like sure, that. Sure, sure. was a better movie than Following. That was, that felt like a, right. but, you know, same kind of vibe, right? Where yeah. you're like, 
A lot of talent on display. Van Wilder, the same thing. You could tell the Walt Baker had Walt Becker. Baker. I fucked it Becker. up. You fucked I fucked up, up my awful one joke. bit. I mean, you should give this movie a little bit of credit. It went on to become like a, a syndicated show on like broadcast TV. Hey, Ben. What? <laughs> I can't tell if you're kidding or not. What do you mean? The Kevin Bacon show? I'm no, assu- that- it's like about this movie, ben, right? Joke? It's just a joke. No, no. I, I mean, I've never watched the show, but it's called Following. Well, it's called for one, The Following. You should watch The Following because, boy, what a stinker. Oh. I, I think we even talked about it on this podcast once. I think we do. My sister on The Tick was on The Following playing. Yes, a, Valerie Curry. Uh, and a it, murder lady. I yeah, believe. it was about a man who ran a serial killer cult based around the work of Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, that's totally different. And his his uh, acolytes would go around wearing Edgar Allan Poe masks, like lighting people on fire and shit. So it's based on The Raven, the Cusack movie? The, I mean, like, The Raven was based on it, I oh, guess. Okay. All right. How Isn't about- The Raven about Edgar Allan Poe himself solving a murder? But it's copycat murders. Uh, right, right, right. It's like someone's been <laughs> killing people in the style of Edgar Allan Poe, and they're like, only one man can solve this. Edgar Allan Poe. What a, what a premise. That's terrible. I, I mean, I thought it was every episode they would break into someone's house and then go on a little adventure. I mean, that's a good show. I mean, you could probably pitch that show. All right, anyone I, out there, what is it, ABC? It was Fox. It was, it was a Fox, Fox. Show. Rebooted it was a Fox show. with you know my the, version. You know what the thing about that show was, though? What? Kevin Bacon only did it because he'd lost all his money to Bernie Madoff. Correct. He got Madoff. Because like everyone was like, why are you in this? Like, yeah. Surely you don't have to be in this serial killer show. And he was like... No, like, you know, it's good. I want to be in it. And like, and then it's like revealed like he has no, he's, you know, he's struggling right now. He got made off really hard. I love Kevin Bacon. He's, you've often referred to him as your favorite actor. He's my favorite actor. Along um, with Colin. But he was a guy who like, I, I'd say past a certain point, like maybe late nineties, early two thousands started like not doing big studio films, doing sort of more interesting stuff, smaller parts of bigger things, stuff. you know, yeah. whatever it was, uh, more independent projects. He's had a weird career. Projects. He's had a weird career, He's but it makes sense yeah. that like he had money from when he was sort of more of a capital A movie star, yeah. and then he uh, got made off, and then he was like, "Oh fuck, I gotta do some money thing." Uh, a lot, now, a lot. Now of, he loves Dick. He loves. Yes, Dick. he does. Yeah, as do I. Anyway, uh, I was gonna say, love his dick. Oh well, it is a great penis. Sure, no disagreement there. A uh, lot, a lot of crew people on the Tick worked on uh, following the and, following. Worked on the following. Mm-hmm. Not <laughs> and, on this film. And they say, well, maybe. Well, uh, you this don't film didn't seem to have much them. of a crew. I think it was mostly Mr. Christopher Nolan. I mean, I did crafty on it, but you've never asked. <laughs> How old would you have been? Like I was nine. nine years old. If you actually Making asked grilled me, cheese sandwiches. If you asked me about my life for once, you would have found that out. Yeah. Uh-huh. I definitely don't know much about your life. Nothing. Yeah. I am a You're steel a man of mystery. Box. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Old brick wall Newman over here. All right, come on. What what, what are you going to say? Uh, are you still talking about the following? Very, it's a very okay. quick anecdote. Yes, I was just yes. going to say, uh, people worked on the following, and they said that like Kevin Bacon had this amazing power to any time they'd be like, okay, we're ready for Kevin on set. Can you grab Kevin? Mm-hmm. He would be there. Wow. That, it was like he had- That's what you call a veteran. What one could call a sixth sense. Yeah. <laughs> you mean, the, you mean the, a stir of echoes. He had a stir of echoes. Because that did. was- that was the thing with poor Stir of Echoes. He did have a Stir of Echoes. Got crushed by the Sixth Sense, same year. Yeah, if only they had a Sixth Sense for the, moving their release date. They should have. Anyway, they anyway. kept film. Uh, released about the same time as Following. Oh, Following. Following. So, do you guys want some Nolan backstory? Love some. Let's do some Nolan backstory. Because I'm going to dig into something. 69 minutes long. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, our episode will definitely be longer than the movie. Considering we just talked about a TV show that doesn't have anything to do with it for five minutes? Yes. <laughs> Christopher Nolan. Middle name, Edward. Oh, boy, I'm really digging in deep. What kind of source of context? <laughs> Born in London. Father and ad Wait, he executive. Grew in, he grew up in London? Yes. David, did you know him? I didn't, unfortunately. Uh, his mother was a flight attendant and English teacher. Okay. He has both, he has dual citizenship. I think you mean British teacher, but go on. <laughs> dual citizenship. And uh, also spent some time in Chicago. Ben's giving me a thumbs now, up. Now, we all know that he has a younger brother, Jonathan. Jonathan okay, Nolan. So you're going to get into the thing that I want to talk about. Yes, we're going to talk about Good, it. Because I know, wasn't sure if this was going to be a Marshall Lucas thing. No, no, no. I know about this too. But first, just to mention Jonathan yep. Nolan, who worked with him, has worked with him on writing several, co-writing several of Most his of his movies. films. Memento is based on a short story that Jonathan Nolan wrote. Mm-hmm. And he worked on the... Uh, not All the first, Batman. not the first. Oh, you're the right. You're second right. and third Batmans. He wrote the script for Interstellar, which I believe Christopher then rewrote. Rewrote. But that was and originally I, a spec script that he I sold think, that Spielberg yes, was going to direct. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, Inception was, I think, Chris and Chris alone. But anyway, and also he made the show Person of Interest, which is a great TV show that was highly underrated. And now he's making Westworld with yeah. his wife Lisa Joy. So we know about Jonathan, the Nolan brothers. There's an older brother. Ooh, Ben, do you know about Matthew this? Matthew Francis Nolan. Ben, you're going to fucking flip. Who went to, uh, as the English call it, uh, what the hell is a hilarious word that the English use for jail? <laughs> uh, the clink. Christopher Nolan's oldest brother is a con artist. Oh, shit. Matthew Nolan, a Chicago resident. So I think he went to jail in America. Yeah, because Chris Nolan's father, an American, Christopher Nolan, I believe, was mostly raised by his mother in England, but Jonathan Nolan, I believe, was mostly raised by his father in Chicago. I think you're right. Because Jonathan Nolan speaks with an American accent, and I think they kind of grew up apart. And I've heard people freak out about this because Nolan, Jonathan Nolan will give interviews about Westworld, and he has right. this sort of, like, yeah, it's, it's an like American accent. For it's in kind of an, it's, right, it's kind of a American. somewhat muted American accent, yeah. and everyone is like... Is this like some Nolan game? <laughs> What's he doing? Yeah. Is you know, is he is he a Jeffrey Wright robot? Spoilers <laughs> for Westworld. Yeah. Sorry. Uh but but I believe they're mostly raised apart. And the sense I've always sort of gotten is that the what's the oldest brother's name again? Matt uh sorry, uh uh Jesus. I already forgot it. What the fuck is his name? Uh Matthew, yeah, Matthew Nolan. Who was a he? You know, he he like ran bad checks and stuff. He right. was like a, a con artist. And the sense is that he kind of was the one who fell between the cracks. It was like, okay, Chris landed in London. Sure, you know, Jonathan landed in Chicago. Sure, Chicago, we call it right. Uh, a windy city, but not big Chicago. That's uh, of course our our good friend, two time Academy Award nominee Michael Shannon. Of course, big Chicago, big Chicago himself. Yes. Thank you for referencing that. Anytime. Um, okay, hey, oh, just right now, can you reference, what's his nickname again, Matthew, Sh- Michael Shannon? Oh, two-time Academy Award nominee, Michael Shannon? Yeah, what's his uh, nickname? Big Chicago. Thanks for referencing that. Anytime? Anytime. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> yeah, uh, right, what happened to Matthew, the oldest Nolan? Yes. Arrested in 09 by the FBI. At the peak of his success. I mean, we're talking well, a year of, after wow, Dark Knight. at the peak of his brother's success, to be clear. Peak of his success. I mean, if he was arrested, <laughs> yeah. it means he was doing some big by shit. By the FBI, too. It's not even local police. Yeah. Like, according, according to this. Bureau. I mean, you've heard to this, the joke, he can't even get arrested in this town. <laughs> Matt Nolan could, and he did. According to mm-hmm. this, my, uh, Matt, Matt, Matt Nolan. I keep thinking it's Michael. Matt Nolan. 
arrested in February 2009 as he left bankruptcy court in Chicago, was charged by the FBI with the kidnapping and murder of a Florida accountant, a Florida accountant in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. He was extradited to Costa Rica. And then later he escaped from prison. Nice. And was arrested <laughs> again and sent back to prison. He was also being investigated by the Chicago police for a check kiting scam, whatever that means, where he made a million dollars by cozying up to local banks. Another charge says that he was using his military, claiming to use his military skills, quote unquote, which I doubt existed, to run an international bank collection service. That's how he was trying to get a loan from someone in Costa Rica. So he's like, exactly. He's a a confidence man. Right. Wait a second. I mean, this is all alleged and I'm reading it from a Chicago Tribune article in 2010. Maybe he made up the story. Maybe it's part of his grift. Maybe he he wrote his own Wikipedia page. It's all about the law. He has a wife and children. And Uh I feel like this is something that nobody fucking acknowledges about Inception. They all think it's about Christopher Nolan. Anyway, we'll get to that on Inception. We'll get to that. Wait, I'm looking at uh, Matt Nolan's Wikipedia page here. It also says in 2008, there was an incident where he placed a bomb, one bomb each on two different ferries, <laughs> but gave each ferry the opposite. No, but Tiny Lister, he intervened and yes. everything was fine. Um, no, yeah. All right. That's sweaty. That Griffin was sweaty. did a good job holding up his, is that a Kindle? It's, it's an iPad. It's an iPad. What? You have an iPad now? I got an iPad now. Congrats. My, uh, uh, holding up his iPad as if reading from a, a you know a, a legal document. Yes, my uh, my my Amazon Kindle Fire Bro. <laughs> probably that shoddy workmanship. Well, no, they're a great company. I probably did something wrong. It was my fault. <laughs> I you know had yeah, you the like jerked to... off on the Funko page too many times or whatever. <laughs> okay, well, you gentlemen are right. I like a good scam, which brings <laughs> He's us trying to get me back on track. Yeah, which back. brings us to we should maybe discuss uh, the plot unless you want to give a little bit more. I'm background doing more context, up. Ben. Okay. Yeah, I, I yeah, do yeah. not know what you're trying to do. Getting me, David Sims, Mister Back on Track, back on track. We're on track. How do you feel? I just I feel great. I just saw a movie about train. A train that's on tracks. What, unstoppable? No, uh, it's called In Transit. It's a documentary by Albert, uh, you know, Mails. How do you say his name? Maisel. 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 So it wasn't unstoppable. <laughs> Good. Uh, um, so wait, I just. I, I want to back up for a second. <laughs> <laughs> In the, in the, in over the here. years as the Earth's crust cooled around its molten core, <laughs> I, during I the formation of train, the solar system, just, I picture, picture me stroking a, yeah, mustache you got a mustache with the cape, grabbing that little that lever, yeah, yeah, diverting yeah, yeah. the train off the tracks. Because baby, I want to focus in on a word that you threw away like it was nothing. What confidence, man? Sure. People talk about con man, conning, it gets abbreviated so much, people don't think about the origins of the word. But the idea of a con artist is the fact sure. they're trafficking in confidence. Yes. They instill confidence in people. They exude so much confidence themselves that people trust them. And they can get away with things. I think All it the is, great confidence men it was true of. Charles Ponzi. Yes. Bernie Madoff, who did such a great job taking Kevin Bacon's money. The, Sawyer from Lost. The Joker. Those, the joke. Carry on. Why so serious himself, <laughs> Richard T. Joker? <laughs> yes. But I think that is the main thing that Christopher Nolan movies are interested in, is the concept of confidence. Can I tell you some more context before we get to the movie itself? Sure, but you understand why I want to yeah. lay that seed in the ground? Right? I think it's important to a lot of his storytelling. Right. And I think it's important to, yeah, I think you're totally right. This is the part of the magic trick where I show, where I... Go, oh, look, confidence. 
I yes. Oh, okay. All right. Now I I see. Yeah, is this right. gonna be the worst miniseries ever? I feel like we're making so many jokes about like the structure of his movies. <laughs> well, they're famed for yeah. their structure. Yeah. No, no, this is gonna be a great miniseries. This is going great so far. You don't it, think this, so? I think this is a great well, episode. And also, I hey, think how it's, do you think this is going, Ben? Uh, it's going all right. Um, <laughs> oh, boy, four out no, of ten. But uh, what I think is appropriate for kind of how we've been jumping around is yeah. I feel like Christopher Nolan, he's like sort of a master of time, right? That's like his wheelhouse. Is like all of his movies are sort of just he's like a time about, lord, is what you're saying. He's yeah. definitely a time mm-hmm. lord. Right. Yeah, right. He is yeah. English. Right. right, right. He is. No, you're right. You're right, Ben. He loves to play with time, much uh, like yeah. What if they? Because uh, we're waiting what? to hear who the new doctor is going to be. On Doctor Who, what if they just announced it was Christopher, Christopher Nolan? Nolan and he yeah. was like, Well, I've always wanted to act. Mm, yes, it's going to be nice. Uh all right. His uncle worked at NASA. Okay. He loved Star Wars. At eight, he made a stop motion animation homage named Space Wars. What a dork. Uh so he Only always, nerds like Star Wars. Always wanted to be yeah, exactly. What an asshole. Yeah. Fucking dip. Always wanted to be a filmmaker from a young age. Okay. Uh he moved to Chicago when he was a teen, so I think everyone was in Chicago at mm-hmm. some point. He uses Chicago a lot in his films. Right. But then he moved back to England at some point as well because he was educated at UCL for university, which is in England probably the best place to go if you want to study film. Okay. Uh, and I think he did a lot of film stuff there. He met Emma Thompson, Thomas, Emma Thomas there, who not is Thompson. No, not Emma Thompson. Emma Thomas, who is his wife and producer and producing partner. Uh, and he made some tiny little short films, which I've never seen. One of them screened before following when I saw it. They probably showed Doodlebug. Yes. Yes. Which was sort of his first. Uh, he made two before then. But in 97, he made Doodlebug. Right. Which is a three minute little movie about someone chasing an insect around the room or something. Okay, so here's what the movie is. Jeremy Please. Theobald, star following, yep. is in like a rundown flat. Yep. He's trying to catch a bug with a shoe. Sure. And then he finally hits it. And then you see that he's a bug and there's a giant shoe in a hand and they're trying to squish him. Sounds great. That's like the whole the whole thing. Sounds like Men in Black or it's whatever. Like, it's like a far side cartoon. It's like sure. one it's visual concept. It's three minutes long, It's right? three minutes long. Yeah. It's three minutes long, probably 90 seconds of those are credits. It's really short. <laughs> sure. I remember being like, oh, fuck, Rogal, we're going to get to see a Nolan short. Right. And it was just like, you know, yeah, really fast. So he didn't like. Nolan short, more like a Nolan chart. Sh- oh, boy. But that's too, it feels like that's too critical. I was, I thought it was fine. I thought it was well crafted. It was that's just great. small. That's great. It's very Thanks short and length. Um, so the thing is, he yeah. doesn't really like the British film scene. British film scene's pretty insular. Uh-huh. Most British films are only funded with lottery money. You know, there's not a lot right. of money like right. to to take. You know, there's like working title. Like there's you know, yeah, the guys who make like the Richard Curtis movies and stuff like you know. But there's not a lot of money. No Batman. There. Literally zero Batman. That's true. Uh, so instead, he just scrapes together his own money mm-hmm. and from like family and friends and shit, makes this movie following. Shoots it in London over the course of a year on 16 millimeter film. Because he would like have the money to buy one roll of film. Right. And they would shoot it. Like, they would for the like weekend. rehearse a scene to death so they didn't have to do multiple takes. They'd do like one or two takes tops. It was all available lighting. All available lighting. It was lighting. all like scouting out locations where he knew there was enough light, you know? Um, yes. Yeah, but it was like they'd shoot a roll. It had been rehearsed for a while. They'd get there, they'd knock a couple takes out. He'd wait for it to develop. He'd watch it. He'd cut it together with what he had before. And then maybe like a month later, they'd shoot another roll. You know, it was yes. very segmented. It was very piecemeal. Everyone kept their day jobs. Right. Emma Emma Thomas and Jeremy Theobald, who's the star, they uh-huh. helped produce it. Yeah. He did most everything else. Yeah. David Julian 
did the score. Okay. Who does the score for Memento and for Insomnia. Oh, interesting. The guy who does the kind of like nice haunted little weird organ scores. Yeah. Uh, for all those movies, which I like the, those scores a lot. Yeah, this is this one's a little synthy for my taste, but yeah, that's more yeah. the resources he had. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's like there's a chase scene and the score is just like like some crackling. <laughs> right. I feel like uh, the theme's pretty strong. It's just, yeah. it, so- it sounds pretty like uh, Casio keyboardy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. And, uh, and the movie does well at the Toronto Film Festival, gets some good little reviews, yeah. like the Times writes it up, you know, and then he's off to the races, basically. He's off to the races. We'll, we'll cover Memento. Next week. Next week. You know, that's that's his real calling card, but this was his, like, calling card to get a calling card. Yeah. Right? I don't know. This was him writing a letter of intent to acquire a calling card. Right, right. It's like, I would like to formally request a calling card. Christopher Nolan impressions are going to get really boring. Uh, yeah, like he's, he's not, hard to do. In, look, one of the problems the with him is he's, dry. he's so dry. He's so dry. He doesn't play into it either. He doesn't, like... Make fun of himself. No, not at all. No, no. Uh, can I throw my two complaints for the week? Uh, sure, yeah. Once again, no one should ever make a TV show. Right. You know, Asterix, Tick is going to be great. It's a great show. I'm yeah, really happy. Yeah, yeah. No one should ever make it. Uh-huh. Mm. Number two, too hot. Things shouldn't be this hot. It's quite hot today. Ben? Do I think it's hot? Yeah, just looking for you to weigh in. Too hot. Hmm. Uh, well, I, it's about 95 personally, degrees outside. I'm not, I, I'm not, not that hot. much of a temperature queen. I don't mind. <laughs> oh, boy. So you're saying we can't call you the temperature queen? No. No. Okay. But that, that was a great Ben moment. But we could say, much like you're not Professor Crispy, that you're not the temperature queen. I suppose I set myself up for that, didn't I? How did you not see that coming? I don't know. Well, yeah, I don't, I'm not that bothered by the, the heat. I hate it. I think it sucks. Cancel it. I'm like Ice Age 2, baby. I want the meltdown. Isn't the meltdown when it gets hot, though? Like Oh, you're right. I guess it's like it's the end of the Ice Age. You want Ice Age 1 when it's just an Ice Age. No, I want Ice Age... Four continental drift. That's five. It doesn't matter. Collision. That's, no, that's <laughs> that's that's three. Isn't three it? is three's collision course. No, three's age of the dinosaurs. Yeah, dawn probably, of the dinosaurs. It's probably dawn of the dinosaurs. Four is continental drift. Five is collision course. I want that ice age three, baby. I think you're right. Dawn of the dinosaurs. Okay, great. That's established. Following. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> not part of the ice age franchise. Not yet. Not yet. Maybe like Ice Age Six will, to, you know, tease the following somehow. It'll be movie, like Tokyo Drift. What if this movie just had scrat in it? <laughs> <laughs> what if it was the exact movie you saw in the Millers, a little scrat short? Okay, here's the premise <laughs> of following. <laughs> he, wants, he wants that acorn. He does. He wants it. Sometimes he puts it in the wrong place, though. <laughs> Fifteen years later, I guess he <laughs> I still know. hasn't gone. I haven't seen. I've seen. I saw the first Ice Age. You know why I saw the first Ice Age? <laughs> Everyone saw it. Because you were a kid. Is that the joke you're gonna make? No. What? It, because the in in Britain, the Attack of the Clones trailer was attached to it. Oh, interesting. And it, we were told like, you want to yeah. see the trailer? Like, you gotta go see Ice Age. So I took my brother, yeah. who was still young enough to give a shit about Ice Age. Well, I think, you know, if you're young at heart, you're the right age to give a shit about well, Ice Age. I was 16, so I was not the right age. Sounds to give like a you shit weren't young at heart. I saw that one, but I have not seen the next four. I saw two and I tapped out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's a real mark of quality on the Ice Age franchise. You tapped out. I couldn't out. stick with it. <laughs> the premise of following is this. <laughs> yeah. There's a little shithead 
called the young man. He doesn't uh-huh. have a name. Jeremy no one Theobald. in this has a name. Played by Jeremy Theobald. Uh, excuse me, one character has a name. You're right. Sorry. Uh, I'll get, of course he does. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's an aspiring writer. Feels like a, you know, half of a self-portrait, I guess. Yeah, he's sort of like a, like a, uh, uh, you know, David Thewlis and Naked minus the methamphetamines. Right. He's just a shithead. Right, but with he's like kinda, floppy hair. Yeah, he's got floppy hair. And he lives in like a dirty flat sort of in London. Surly. He fancies himself a writer. And so he's been following people around like so that he can like observe them and maybe write about them or something. Right. Which of course, you know, cinema is an art form of voyeurism. You're, you're sure. Yes. Yeah. He's also looking real good <laughs> with that long leather jacket. He's got a long I'm leather jacket. I'm all about the fashion in this movie. Let me tell you. Really? I love it. There's leather jacket. There's a lot of suits. A lot of Great suits. Nice Like suits. ill-fitting, but sort of like like skinny tie. Like, I don't know. There's skinny some tie, big there. shoulders. Yeah, there's some vibe there I'm just into. I actually, it made me want to get a skinny tie and get a new suit seeing this movie. I'd love to see you in both. Uh, I'm, I'm working on it. Uh, Griffin and I were just at David Ehrlich's wedding. Oh, yeah. Last weekend. Big, big shout out to Two-time David Two-time guest. Yes. Uh, congratulations on his wedding. Uh, here's a hot scoop for you, Ben. Uh, I was in a suit. That's why I thought of it. Yeah. As were you. David Sims at David Ehrlich's wedding. I swear this is true. Mm. I swear this is true. And I wish I had footage, some sort of documentation so people would believe me. But you just have to take my word for it. Uh-huh. Our friend David over here raised the roof. Oh, I did no. raise the roof. That's right. He raised the roof. I now, did raise on the, the dance floor? Multiple times. Multiple times. It w- one, one could argue it was maybe one of only two moves he had. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, I have three moves. Okay, can I tell you what the three moves were? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. One was palms flat. Yeah. Pause, I call them. Pause, hands above ear level, yeah. like a right around ear level. Yeah. Yeah. And then he sticks the figure out and does no, a little no, no, bit I of don't like, really. It's mostly pause. It's the pause, fingers but rarely then some stuck pointing out. Comes in. No, the pointing really, is the pointing is if you pull your arms in. You know, it was a little like how Killer Croc swims in Suicide Squad. Sure, it was sure, a little sure. like cool. This. That's yeah, a good look. Yeah, I yeah, know it's great. Okay, look. then yeah. dance move number two. Ooh, flip those hands over. Uh oh, right. what's happening to the lift roof? Lift them up. You're raising the roof. Wait, oh, what's that's happening a, that's to the a roof? Unique way of raising the roof. It's almost like you're lifting the roof. He was raising it. Working hard. Yeah, I mean you could flip them this way too. He had. Look, he had range, okay? Sure. Move number three. Yeah. You flip those hands back down. Okay, palms facing the floor, but then you push. Ooh, you got to lower the floor. <laughs> at one I think point, I only did that once. At one point, David said the floor was getting too high, and he had to lower the floor. Oh, boy. It was anyway. great. We were all, Incredible. We were all dancing like David. I'm a great dancer, guys. I don't know what to tell you. But I swear to God, he raised the roof. I did raise the roof. I uh, believe it. And, and it was high. It was a high roof. It was roof. a high roof. It was a barn. We were in a we barn. We were in a barn. And uh, honestly, what we should do is, uh, fans, if you want to see a, a picture of David or yes. a video, just just bother him on Twitter. Yeah, Please definitely. Do. I will definitely not mute you. He <laughs> loves that. If you do that. He loves it. Um, so we've got this young man or, or invite David to your wedding. Yeah. He'll do it there. If you have a wedding, David, can we make this deal here? No. If you go to a wedding, you will raise the roof. Oh, so I guess you, so. You but, don't have to accept right. every invitation. But I will raise the roof if I go. Right. If yeah. you go, the gift as you will bring. As, to be fair, yeah. as long as there is dancing, I don't want to be at like some solemn church service. Okay. Well, wait a second. <laughs> I don't think that's fair. Raising. All right, fine. I, but I might quietly raise the roof. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think if someone has Just gone out of their raise. way, yeah. if someone has gone out of their way to invite you to their wedding, 
I don't think it should, the onus should be on them to have to like One pay more a DJ, rent a dance floor. I think you should raise the roof regardless of what kind of structure you're in. One more in. question. Sure. One more question. Yeah. What if it's an outdoor wedding with no structure at all? No structure. No structure. And no, no roof to be raised. Now, when you let me just clarify. When you say no structure, do you mean that there is both a lack of physical structure <laughs> and that the planning. wedding is housed within? Yes. Is this a lawless, sure, chaotic sure. wedding? Yes, just chaos. Is this Richard T. Joker's wedding? Exactly. What is this? The Joker. Richard T. No, Joker? No, I know. I, for Christ's sake. You don't know his first name is Richard. Just let's get out of this bit. Richard T. Joker. Yeah. Oh, just one last question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, uh, if a Mennonite or an Amish person Great question. Invites, would love to attend invites one. you to yeah. a barn raising. I feel, oh, to a, an actual barn raising. Yeah, yeah. And then they finish it off and they're going to put the roof on. Uh-huh. Would you be into raising the roof with them? Do you them? think that's disrespectful? I think that's disrespectful. I think that's a case in which he has to lower the floor. <laughs> oh, fine. Okay. Well, then we've, de- we've decided. Okay. In that case, I will lower the floor. David? Here's my final ruling. Sure. Okay. Yeah. 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 If the wedding is unstructured in terms of planning. Sure. And physical. Well, this is what uh, I'm saying. Jesus if the, Christ. If the wedding is well bed. organized, but outdoors. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. You don't have to raise the roof. Fine. If the wedding is disorganized and outdoors, you got to build a roof and raise it. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I got to lead by example. Okay. That's what you're saying. Please invite David to your wedding. David L. Sims on Twitter. Great. Uh, yeah. I won't come. I don't like. Brother Fallout on Reddit. Uh, that's right. Yes. I believe my flair is back in the rack. <laughs> I finally figured out how to have flair. Back back in the old spice rack. Exactly. So the, this young man, yeah. Jeremy Theobald's character. Not an actor. No, but uh, he was. Kind of Nolan's. The, yeah, he's in other Nolan movies, but in tiny he's roles. I a couple things, but I went to his Wikipedia page. He works in like government. Yeah, no, that this, this is it. They were just buds, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think he works in like social... Uh, City planning or something like that. That's great. Great. He's giving back. I think he's good in this. I think he's not bad at all. For, especially for someone who's like not an actor. I think not pursue he's acting. pretty good. Yeah. I, I think, think we might be on the same page regarding the ensemble. Yeah. I think there's some weak links, but I, I was very impressed with him. He's just got a very engaging screen presence. He's got a great voice. He's got a good voice. He does have just like a really good he's character voice. Sort of quasi playing two characters or two modes of the character because he's playing yeah. him as this sort of shitty guy. And then you're cutting in between to like a later story. Right. But later part of the story where he's sort of in his suit and he's more dressed up. Yeah, he's good. Uh, I'm forgetting her name now, but the woman who directed uh, Mustang. Uh, I've, who is that person's name? She's what? got a three-part name, and I totally forget it. I'll look it up. In our mailbag a- episode, we were asked, like, what directors we want to see make more Denise films. Denise Gamze Erguven. I mean, you know, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce. Uh, love Mustang. Very excited to see whatever she makes next. Uh, I think she just announced something. But um, I heard this really interesting interview with her where she was talking about there are, like, the six girls in that movie that she had to cast, and all of them sure. were were not actors really before that. And she said, like, some of them were kind of wanted to be actors, came on auditions. Some of them she, like, spotted in airports, you know? Yeah. But she said her first round audition was she always had the the woman, the young woman, come in and would, like, hide an object in a room and mm-hmm. be like, can you find the key? Mm-hmm. And it was because she wanted to see if their physical behavior changed at all in terms of self-consciousness once the camera was rolling. It's interesting. Like, here's a very basic task. I'm not asking you to read anything. I'm not asking you to play anything out. I want to see if I notice any imperceptible or perceptible change in your physical comfort level if there's a camera rolling right. on you while you do this. And it would be for me. Right. 
for sure. Jeremy Theobald is a guy where it's just like a lot of this movie is him looking at stuff, going around rooms, following people around. And he does have like a really steady physical presence, which sounds like faint praise. I, I'm, I'm interested in your praise. I, I, I was like I very impressed right. with him watching that, you know, because that's like the stuff that's especially hard to do, I think, for someone who has no experience acting, no experience on camera. But still, imagine like your guy Pierce. I agree. You know. I agree. But okay, all right. So I think I think I'm into that, you know, in yeah. general. Into yeah. your praise. Cool. He meets he follows he another follows. man right. named Cobb. Right. Because the beginning scene he's talking to this older man who I believe is Nolan's father? L- Nolan's uncle. Uncle, okay. Who is an actual British actor. You can tell. Uh, his name is John Nolan, and he is, he's like a guy. Right. He's in a lot of Nolan movies, but he's also in... He's got British character actor voice. He's, like, he's got the... He's in plenty of stuff. He was actually in 27 episodes of Person of Interest. He was like a sort of minor villain in that movie, in that show. A little nepotiz there. Yeah, a little nepotiz. A little nepotiz. I mean, one could say it was a bit of nepotiz. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know that joke in School of Rock? Where uh, Jack Black is claiming that he like almost got hired to be part of Yo Yama's orchestra, uh-huh. and he goes like, "Got it, nailed the audition." Instead, the job goes to Yo Yama's nephew, Lil Nepotiz. Right, and I for do remember years that. I thought he was saying Yo Yama's nephew Lil was Nepotiz. Lil Nepotiz's mom. Sure. Like for ten years, and then I was like, "Remember when he's like, oh, Chilo? Lil- yeah, <laughs> Chilo, you got a face." That's funny. I might have laughed for four straight scenes at that. It's a good movie. Yeah. Have you seen School of Rock, Benny? Ben no. knows I want to talk yeah. to him. He's lowering his mic. Yeah. No, yeah. I haven't seen it. Really? Oh, yeah. Ben, you'd love it. Do you like Jack Black? I do. Do you like schools? <laughs> I, um... Do you like school movies? I guess. Well, here's the thing. I was a band kid, okay. and I sort of... It's about band! I yeah. know, but I sort of have this weird relationship to band because I think it was like a thing that was good for me, but it also made me feel like somewhat of an outcast because band kids band don't kids fit in with the cool kids. Uh, this is what School of Rock's about. Kind he goes to these band that. kids with these nerds and goes like, you're next door neighbors with rock stars. You're so close to being a fucking rock star. Chalo, you got a bass. All right. I'll check it out. What was your instrument? I play trumpet. Nice. Also trombone. Also tuba. Also French horn. The brass. I also was able to play tenor saxophone, clarinet. You could play clarinet? Jesus Christ. How could you do all this? Why read, aren't you a musician? I can read music. That's great. Um, and you can I, work those reeds. I could. I could get the reeds <laughs> real yeah. wet. Well, okay, okay, come on. And what do you Keep call what do you call a brass? You don't call it a reed, right? What do you call it? Like on a trumpet, what do you call it? Mouthpiece. Mouthpiece, right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I had a good embouchure. That's the uh the, the like, weird positioning you of yeah. your mouth when you play the different okay. brass instruments. Stop turning this podcast into some sort of I'll bring the dirty tru- you know what? Fest. I'll bring the trumpet in one time. You let me know when, I'll bring my trumpet in. That sounds great. Would you say that in your do high school? Do you want to school, do a new theme song? Like Ben on the trumpet? Yeah. But wait, David, this is very important what I'm about to say. Shoot. Ben, would you say that back in your high school days you uh, got down to brass tacks? Would, would you say that you... I think this was very important. Got down to brass tacks. Ben, did you ever get down to <laughs> brass tacks? Jesus Christ. Yeah. 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 Sure. Sure. <laughs> Okay. So, he meets this guy called Cobb. Ooh, interesting. Like the salad. And also like... The main character of Inception. The Inceptionator himself. And a similar character, one might say. Richard T. Inception himself. Who plums into people's dreams. Yes. This character does it more literally by plumbing their apartments. Yes. (laughs) But what is an apartment if not... 
The place where dreams are made. True. And as he learns, everyone has a box. Yes. And he opens it. Yes. And what's in it? Stuff. Secrets. Things you can <laughs> steal. So I would say uh, your problem with following, the problem with following, I guess, is, is Cobb. Uh-huh. Because he should be this like insanely charismatic character. Right. Because... One, he does something that makes no sense, which is he breaks into apartments, doesn't steal a lot of stuff, mostly right. just kind of like rifles things around and like to freak people out. Yeah. And he's like, it's fine. No one's going to care. Confidence, man. <laughs> uh, right. But that's the movie's about I, confidence yes. as a currency. Sure. But he's he should be super conf. I mean, super charismatic. Sure. And uh, also uh, he's, you know, uh, he's a liar. He is a liar. And, uh, you know, he's he's pulling a fast one on our main character mm-hmm. in some ways. Ooh, shades of Trump. You know, <laughs> not to get too political here. You're saying that uh, Cobb uh, believes in fake news? Yes. There is that scene where he holds up a newspaper and yells, sad. <laughs> um... Uh, and I think that this guy, Alex Haw, who never made another movie, yeah. it's his only credited role. He's not like the worst. No, I think he's fine. He's fine. But he's your, got an affect that's your point okay. Is, imagine if this role was played by Tom Hardy. Sure. You're just someone you who you're like, oh, I totally get why you would get sucked into this guy's world. Because right. the whole point is this guy is getting sucked into Cobb's world. Right. And of course, that's what Cobb's trying to do. He's trying to suck him into his world so he can play him as a patsy. Yes. Spoiler alert. Right. He wants to There's be. There's a twist. He wants to be the producer Ben to that guy's reed instrument. Uh, exactly. And then apart from John Nolan, who's the cop. Yeah. The only other actor in this movie is Lucy Russell, who's yes. a real actress. Right. She's in stuff. She was in. She was in Tony uh, uh, Erdman. Exactly. I was going to say. Uh, and she was. Uh, yeah. She's, she's, she's great. She's been around. She's the the girl. Yes. And she's, uh, you know, oh. That is her character's got, name. The guy's got his eye on her. What? What do you, you don't think she's well-rounded? <laughs> you don't think it's a well-rounded performance by her? Oh. Uh, by her, by her yeah. character? Um, but, you know, I mean, this gets to something that is, uh, you know, Nolan's detractors will throw this out as the first sort of strike, which is his movies are very exposition heavy. And part of it is because he likes these sort of labyrinthian plots, these complicated plots where yes. he needs people to explain the structure he, so he, that he's able to upend it. He has a lot of explaining. He's got a lot of explaining. A lot. A lot. Uh, here's the other element to that, though. Mm. I do think it's not just like, oh, well, sloppy, this is the you know only way he knows how to convey this information. I do think there's an element, too, where like, Christopher Nolan likes hearing people explain stuff. I think he does. I think he's also pretty good at yeah. shooting and writing it. I mean, you know. Right. But I don't think it's just like, well, I got to set all this up. The only way to get it out of the way is to have one scene where a character explains everything. Right. I think he finds people who know what they're talking about very dramatically engaging. Right. Uh, whether or not you do as well probably will dictate your mileage on how much you enjoy Christopher Nolan movies. I agree. But this is certainly a movie where a lot of the movie is Cobb either explaining how they're going to execute the thing they're about to do next or explaining his theories on how people work, you know? Yes. He's Cobb-splaining humanity. <laughs> a lot of Cobb-splaining. And I think the guy does a solid workman-like job. But what you're saying is if you had someone who was a real kind of movie star, well, here you're, the, here the way you're, Nolan works with, I mean, 
you know. Well, here are your splainers in the Nolan, sure. if you think about it, right? Like Guy Pierce does a lot of splaining in Memento. Michael Caine. Michael Caine is is Mr. Splainer. One of the best. In, in, yeah. in The Prestige and right. the Batman movies. But like a guy who can make any dialogue sound natural and organic and emotional. I totally agreed. Obviously, Leonardo DiCaprio does just a heroic amount of explaining in Inception. Yeah. I mean, he's basically a walking like manual in those movies. Yes. But everyone does a lot movies, of explaining. In that movie. Trilogy. In that movie. Yeah. Sorry. And, uh, you know, even Insomnia... Al Pacino does a lot of explaining, although that's yeah. kind of the point is that he's supposed to be this like old dog and he's like, is he be a cop, you know, but like, anyway, yeah, he does. He does do a fair amount of explaining. Interstellar, he kind of divvies it up. It's kind of an ensemble splainer movie because he had David Gaiassi does the big scene that everyone always talks oh, about. He's so good. So good. That scene's also uh, like peak Nolan doing explaining really well. And you remember the his character's scene. name in that movie. Uh, Jesus, I should know his character's name. Romilly. Romilly, you're right. It's like the only character in the movie with my sister's name. Anyway, um, following. We'll get to all these movies. Yeah. We're going to get to all of those movies. We'll get there eventually. We're not going to do Interstellar. No, I'm kidding. We totally (laughs) are. Uh, but fo- in following Cobb's explaining how he likes to break into apartments and look at people's shit. Right. To, to, you take it something and... They know why it's gone, or what's his what's his line? He has his like line, his mantra well, the that thing he I repeats. I said at the beginning. I mean, you, you you take it away from them so they realize why they wanted it in the first place. Whatever the fucking thing is. Look, the point of the movie is the, the structure's wacky. He's playing with a wacky structure. It's the beginning of the film. We got him with John Nolan. He's talking to him. He's sort of clean cut looking. You know. You take it away and you show them what they had. Exactly. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and this sort of scene where you can't tell what the dynamic is between the two of them, you know? Is this a therapist situation? Is this an interview? What's going on here? And then there are a lot of little pieces at the beginning that are all out of order, but you're seeing our main hero with a couple different looks. Uh-huh. So We're kinda... seeing him with long, ratty hair. Yes. And with the close crop in the suit. And the suit. One of those Hosley babes. Um, hey, Hosley. <laughs> you're seeing him talk to this woman. You're seeing him talk to Cobb. You're getting a sense immediately of, oh, we're just being shown stuff. Right. We're, Later, we're, this we're is all going to tie together for us. So what's the plot? The plot is like he, while doing this, develops a crush on this blonde woman because they break into her apartment. And there's think, pictures right. of her everywhere. And he like steals her underwear and right. stuff. Right. Basically, he's a very like kind of isolated, introverted, aspiring author who's trying to live vicariously through other people. Sure. And trying to do this vague sort of research, which is also just kind of like procrastination from doing anything. Exactly. Because I mean, the, I feel like Nolan kind of hates this guy. Yeah. Right. Like he's like, fuck this guy. He's not a real writer. You know, it's it's he's self-loathing. I think. Like he's like, this guy's just a creep. This guy feels to me like. Uh, who Nolan feels like he would have been if he wasn't smart. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is like the shittier path he could have gone down. Yeah. Where Nolan's like, what an idiot. I observe con artists from a distance. You know, this guy has to follow them. What a fucking dunce. Right. I don't like your Nolan impression. Um, What a fucking dunce. (laughs) All right, I like it again. Right. I like it if you go, "Um, Um, Christopher Nolan. Hey, Ben. How you doing? Are you okay? Um, I'm Ben. Great. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm Christopher. Ben. Yes. I don't. I disagree with you. Mm-hmm. I think that that character is immersing himself into his art, and I think that from a distance, being all snooty tooty about it is like sort of obnoxious to me. So I just want to say that to you. Well, wait, um, wait. Who uh, who's being? Oh, you're talking uh, to Christopher. No, yeah, I'm just letting him me. know. Uh, David, let me uh, have the the floor for a second. 
well, uh, producer Ben, um, uh, aka uh, Ben Dusa, uh, uh, aka. No, 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 no. Okay, get out of here. Uh, <laughs> but I think the the thing that comes up several times in the film is he doesn't seem to actually be writing anything. No, no. he's kind of immersing himself into this lifestyle, which I think is because he'd rather be someone like that. He'd rather be someone who's actually actualizing, living in the world. And he sees Cobb. Cobb is this guy who's presented as being a man of ultimate confidence. Yes. He is so in control of he his sh- own he's domain. Assured, an assured man. Right. Even if he does something weird. He's, he's becoming a convert. Yes. Ooh, I like the scene, probably like a third of the way through the movie, whatever it is, you know, where they go to someone's apartment mm-hmm. and the guy is like, he's a writer, you know, like this guy's like a writer. He's a, he works at a bank, you know, and Cobb's like, no, this is like the apartment of a loser. Like right. this guy's on the dole. Yeah. He doesn't even have a word processor. He just has a typewriter. I bet he never writes. And like, you realize this guy's a fucking amateur. And you, of apartment. course, it's that the guy's apartment. Like it's right. never said at that moment, right. uh, but uh, it is obviously that's what's happening. He's yeah. trying to get Cobb to evaluate his life. Right. So and Cobb's whole thing is everyone wants me to do this. They want someone to look at their shit. Right. Uh, which, I mean, sure, fine. It's yeah. a take. Yeah, it's a take, exactly. At least he's got one yeah. in this takeless world. <laughs> yeah. God, I wish we had some more takes uh, going around these not days. Not enough takes. Yeah. Um, but, of course, there's a fast one being pulled. We should, we should acknowledge. Right. Well, what starts as just a following, a sort of shadowing of this man into his world, very quickly yeah. leads to the young man kind of getting involved more and more, his hands getting a little bit dirtier and dirtier. You know, in these sure. incidents. I guess so. He's he's touching stuff. He's moving stuff. <sighs> yeah. He's lifting stuff. Yeah, he's, Panties, David. They, they do talk panties. about pawning stuff they occasionally at some about point. So stuff. they are probably making a little bit of That's money. It's small yes. scale. But I'm saying right. he no longer has, uh, you know. I, yeah, I guess. He's no longer he a witness. Just say he's an like, right. participant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, the reason for that is. Well, you want to get to the twist? Yeah. Okay, it's, it's a, a sequel to Unbreakable. Movie. Yeah, it's been dead the whole time. It's a sequel to Unbreakable that's been dead the whole time. The entire time the movie's been dead. <laughs> the movie's dead. The movie's At dead. the end, you you zoom out and you realize that the film itself is in a coffin. Yes, and they go dun 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 dun. <laughs> they always do at at funerals. Yes. Um, no, it's that Cobb Ooh. wants the guy Wait to start second. doing Cobb stuff Wait all by himself. Wait a second, so we can frame him, David. If someone invited you to a funeral, would I raise the roof? Would you get conflicted? Would you accidentally raise the coffin? <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Because that's the opposite. It's supposed direction. to go down. Yes, it's supposed no, to be no. Funerals are tastefully very into the occasions. ground. I would never. I would never behave badly at a funeral. Okay, I take I them very make seriously. That very clear. Okay. You can always dig the ground. I mean, if I were a grave digger, hard to do with flat palms, though. Mm, you're right. You're right. Yep. Okay. David's a flat palmsman. Okay. Sorry about that. Griffin made so much fun of my dancing. It was so good. <laughs> I was just watching so charmed. Yeah, I'm a great dancer. It's charming. Uh, great dancer. Uh, the twist is right. He believes. He, he, no, go ahead. Sorry. Well, he believes he's taking the initiative. This woman who right, steals right. stuff from him. This guy's starting gets, to copy cop. Right, he yeah, gets, like, yeah. uh, sort of develops a crush on the idea of her, the photos of her, starts seeing her, realizes she's a former, she's sort of a model but was maybe also a, a call girl. Yeah, and it's sort of wrapped up with some kind of a gangster who's some like a bald gross guy. bald dude. Oh, I hate bald men! Yeah. Um, and you see some story she tells about this time that the bald guy murdered a man in front of her with a hammer. Right. And you see that. She's a witness. And he's she like, wants ah, hitting this guy with a hammer. Out. 
And it's movie's a little creepy. A little creepy. Uh, she says to him at a certain point that he is blackmailing her with photos that he has of her. They're in a safe. Yes. And if someone were able to steal those photos from the she'd safe. She'd be free. She'd be free. And he, the white knight that he is, decides with the techniques that he's sort of learned from his old pal Cobb, he's going to rope Cobb into it and say, look, here's the deal. You help me get in there. <coughs> help me break the safe. I take the photos. You take the money. Yep. But what's going on? Who grift within a grift. Yes, there's a grift within a grift. What it really is is they just need this guy to be the patsy for a frame job. Yes, because Cobb because and the Cobb lady are and the lady are together having fucks. <laughs> They've had a few. They've had a fuck or two. And the bald guy is involved in some way as well. I guess they're trying to get out from under the bald guy. But they're going to use the Jeremy Theobald character to do that. Right. Maybe they killed the bald guy? Maybe. See, I've already forgotten. Let I me... watched it two hours ago. <laughs> I just remember the plot. What it is is right. It's Cobb. Uh, it's they, a, the blonde is blackmailing once... the bald guy. Cobb's working for the bald guy and fucking the blonde. Right. He frames uh, Theobald's character, yes. murders the blonde with a hammer, and makes it look like Theobald murdered the blonde. Right. And but, then he gets out with the money. But what originally, so he thinks that he's doing this all of his own volition to help her. Yeah. Then he finds out that, oh. It, it sucks that the main characters have a name, FYI. Yeah. This is why this is all confusing. Very confusing. He finds out, oh, Cobb and the lady are in cahoots. They are having all the fucks. Right. I'm upgrading it. We said we had, they had a couple. I think they're having all of them. They've had a few. And stick to that. Cobb. Broke into a home, yep. saw a dead body, right, and That's was right. seen walking out of it. That's the thread we were missing. So he needs someone to be like presumed as like the possible murderer. The cops know Cobb. They, they know, know Cobb. He's up to no good. There was a witness at the scene of the crime. She saw him walking away. He didn't kill that woman. But how is he going to be able to defend himself from that accusation? Sure. So he trains the young man to. Grift. And, and to behave like Cobb. And wear suits. And yes. get a haircut so that he looks enough like Cobb that they can frame him with a crime. And the woman reveals this to Theobald. Now he feels like, ooh, I got the upper hand. I was going to get fucked, but now I figured it out. I figured out how to fuck. Right. Um, My fuck style. Right. Although when he was breaking in and stealing the photos, which were not of her, were random photos, uh-huh. in the safe, he also attacked a man with a hammer. Right, so he's now implicated in two hammer right. crimes. So he's by like, the end I got movie. away before. Hammer crime! Stop! Stop. Hammer, hammer crime! crime. Uh, yeah, did you like that? Hey, Ben, did you like that? Yeah! Thank you. <laughs> ben was shaking his head. Ben no. was not interested in that. Ben Hosley <laughs> is not a fan <laughs> of that. Wasn't a good bit. No, it was not a good bit at all. It was terrible. Exactly. And Hosley didn't like it. <laughs> Let's do this all day. <laughs> one man, one producer, a critic, if you will, didn't like a bit. The finest critic. Oh, boy. In a world where <laughs> Ben Hosley disliked bits. But it's this world. All right. I'm seeing Because he didn't like that bit. What are you saying? Uh, while we were doing all that, I booked a screening to Landline. 
the new Jillian Robespierre joint. Oh, cool. Is it about old school phones? I believe it is set in the 90s. Oh, shit. You guys heard of this decade? You guys heard of this shit? It's set inside. 1990s? It's set inside a phone cord. It's like Wreck-It Ralph. (laughs) Yeah. Except on the inside of a phone. You know, the Emoji movie is set in a phone, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know about that, right? The Emoji movie? Express yourself? You know, it's about a guy who wants to be a meh emoji? Yeah, but he's got too many emotions to be a meh. He's not just a meh. He's... Do you think he's going to learn that it's okay to have more than one emoji face? Well, yeah, with his friends Jailbreak, played by Anna Ferris, and the High Five emoji, played by James Corden, but the High Five's got a Band-Aid, so they're outcasts. They're misfits. They don't belong in the, on the phone. I swear to God, I, it's one of those things where I'm like, I never, ever say this. I never think this, but I could have written this movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you're looking at it, you're like, fuck, that's all it took to pitch? Was just the, the emojis that are outcasts and they got to figure out, hey, I could have written this. Uh, you know what else is crazy? What? Uh, emojis have no copyright. Right. There's they're, nothing they're, proprietary. They're, they're not a owned language. by a company. Yeah, they're a language. Unicode, yeah. They're a term. They're Unicode. That's why there's so much emoji merchandise now. Why everyone Right, because anyone can pill- do them. Because right. it's just a basic set of aesthetics. Yeah, right. It would be like having a letter G balloon for right. Griffin. Yeah, right, yeah. right. They're not owned by anyone. Uh-huh. Um, but this, whoever this fuckhead is who wrote the emoji movie, and I'm probably going to find Tom out that he's Stopper, a yeah. friend of mine or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was me. <laughs> it was David Sims. It was me. I, was I just David. hate myself. Uh, also, uh, you know, congrats to David Ehrlich on writing the emoji movie in addition to getting married this weekend. <laughs> no, it was um, three different people. Oh, Mike White is credited. I'm sure he did punch up. Yeah. Uh, Tony Le- Leondis is the writer think, and director. Okay. And then Eric Siegel is the other credited writer. Based on... Emoji. So I think it was either Siegel or, or Leondis, but like there was a deadline story that was like hottest pitch in town, the emoji movie. And it was like they have no, I remember that. Yeah, they yeah, have yeah. no copyright. So there's nothing like proprietary about what they're selling. But they just claimed we cracked emojis as a narrative. Well, that's the thing. It's like they were just the first two to be like, we're doing we're doing the emoji movie. No one else do it. It's it, us. But it was apparently this thing. They went around to every studio and were like, gotta ask fast because everyone else wants it. If you right. want the emoji movie, you gotta bid fast. And people were like fighting over it. Yeah. It's gonna make a lot of money. I think it's gonna bomb. Do you? I do. It's it's not. It's gonna do well. I th- I think this is a it's moment opening. where everything collapses. This is it. This is I, the locust I point in American I history. I think it's the end of movies. It's like it opening against like fucking What's it opening against? Oh, no. It's got it all. It's got that whole weekend to itself. It's opening against really? Atomic Blonde. Oh, boy. Yeah, that is. Similar audiences. That, that's the thing. That is their movie. And it's a week after um, Dunkirk by Christopher Nolan. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Maybe we uh, should, it's Dunkirk. Maybe we should do the Emoji movie as our bonus episode. Yeah, let's do that. Um, all right. So following. So, yeah, at the end, he gets in trouble. I'm the sorry. cops get him. Can we just quickly mention that Patrick Stewart plays poop? Yeah, he plays poop. Okay. He's being advertised. Yep. I've seen some billboards. Yep. Yep. Smelvin himself. The poop emoji. All right. So you know a lot about it. No, I just, there was, there's a company. No, I just, uh, do, do, uh, boy. There's a company that makes emoji toys and they sell one of the, of the poop emoji. Sure. It's literally an action figure of just a pile of poop in a box with a smile on it. And it's named Smelvin. And I've been trying to figure out whether Smelvin as a name is canonical no, across so. all of emojis or if it's just this one company. Oh boy, how are you feeling about this episode? I'm going to keep asking you, Ben. I can see him. That's why right now. Yeah. And, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's freaking me out. Uh, well, because I'm in the room now with you guys. Yeah. Uh, and what do I think about this episode? Um... You know, I might actually have to cut it out. The whole app? The whole app? No, no, just the stuff. No, no, I think you got to make yeah. it longer. Yeah. 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 Oh, put some stuff in. 
you want me to add stuff? Extra stuff. Double it. Mm, okay. yeah, 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 double. Yeah, double the episode. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Double the whole episode. Um, you know out what? of order. What if you cut this episode out of order? I could do that. Okay, um, so here, I'm going to give you a piece right here that you can cut into the beginning, okay? Not the very beginning, but like five minutes in. Sure. Okay, this is the sound of me spitting a latex glove out of my mouth. Why is this necessary? It's in, follow, remember the early on? Out of, ooh, it's out of order. Here's him spitting out a latex glove. And then an hour later, you realize the glove ended up in his mouth because someone put it there. <laughs> the mystery of the glove yeah. solved. Right. When he gets in the fight with Cobb, because Cobb's like, you fucking, that lady who doesn't have a name. The blonde. At the end of the fight, he puts the glove in his mouth, and you're like, oh, I guess that's where the glove The, the stuff with the lady is, is tough, tough kind of film bro stuff, definitely. Her monologues are not that well written. No. it's. I mean, this is him trying to do like a femme fatale well, character, he, but he, in a mo- more modern, less stylized setting yes. in which her transparency as in terms of characterization is more glaring. Well, also when, yeah. And when someone says to her, like, were you a call girl for that guy? And she doesn't go like, Haha, maybe she's like, shut up. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's how it's modern. Right. She's like every bad thing, every bad assumption you could make about me based on my gender is true. Uh, you know, he made three noir movies in a row. He makes this, he makes Memento, he makes Insomnia. Those are all It seemed like he was a noir movies. guy. It, it seemed, seemed like, like that was, was like, his thing. Ooh, neo-noir. Yeah. He's bringing it back. Right, like he was fucking, uh, what's his name? The Red Rock West guy. You know, the Last Temptation, Last Seduction guy. Why am I getting all these titles wrong? John Dahl. I John Dahl is his name. Last Seduction's a good movie. Haven't seen it That's what, It seemed like Christopher Nolan was maybe going to be a better John Dahl. No, for sure. And then he makes Batman Begins, which I, I guess it has some noir elements in that a lot of it takes place at night. The but, suit is black. But, you know, then he becomes black noir. After Insomnia, he becomes like Hollywood's like last like widescreen director, right? Like he's the guy who's holding on to this, right? Well, we've like talked about these kind of like handshakes we try to set up sometimes between our miniseries. Uh, for the listener, Griffin is holding his hands together. Yeah, like handshake. Uh, Nolan kind of is weirdly the heir apparent to Spielberg in terms of status, even though in terms of style, he's very different. But I feel like the place he holds within the film culture is very equivalent to Spielberg at his peak. Uh, agreed. Agreed. You know? He's definitely uh, the closest we've got to he, that. He becomes this weird clinical version of Spielberg. Because I think for after Lord of the Rings, the rap was like, here it is. Finally, Jackson. Peter Jackson is the first director, probably since Spielberg, maybe James Cameron, but probably since Spielberg, who like. A lot of people know his name. Art and commerce combined. And then he, you know, he kind of fucked it up, uh, which we could talk about one day, maybe. But whereas now I think Nolan, he's the one guy you can be like from director Christopher Nolan. And that's the star of the movie. Yeah. I mean, look at Dunkirk. Yep. You know, you got Tom Hardy's your biggest star in the movie, but it's very much an ensemble piece. Oh, it's not much. being advertised with any. No, because it's stars and unknown and all right. that. Yeah. Right. Um, And that's a. Big, expensive movie that's being released. And we talked about on our Saving Private Ryan episode how crazy it was that movie came out in July. It was a blockbuster. And we were like, there's never going to be another thing like that again. And Dunkirk is like that. It's like a sober adult war drama yes. coming out in the middle of the summer that True. everyone's expecting is going to do crackerjack business. And it doesn't even have a Tom Hanks in it. It doesn't even have an Edward Burns in it. Maybe it does. We don't know. Ed Burns is unfamous enough that he could have a small role in Dunkirk. What if Ed Burns is just playing another one of the like 21-year-old British kids next to Harry Styles? <laughs> hey, guys. Hey. Wait, to Ed Burns. Hey, uh, look, I'm definitely from London, not Brooklyn. Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, 
do you do with uh, Edward Burns? Edward Burns just kind of constantly sounds like his laryngitis, right? It's like, yeah, come on. Yeah, it's kind of like that, except I just Brooklyn, cannot. I, what, like, what the fuck? Did, I can't remember an Ed Burns line. I can't believe we can't do good Ed Burns impressions. <laughs> He's so distinctive. Yeah. So following. Do you oh, hear, yeah, the movie following. Yeah, you want to hear some, some other things about following? Yes. He was burgled, Nolan. Burgled. And that was one of his reasons for writing this movie. Interesting. Uh, he realized that there was nothing keeping this burglar out. He'd smashed open his like plywood door. And he was like, it's just the veneer of social grace is all that's keeping us in our little hamster wheels. Cinema. And one man dared break through and steal my TV. A or language of voyeurism. <laughs> uh, can I tell a quick story? Uh, please. Uh, so... My. You burgled Christopher Nolan. <laughs> you, it was you. It was me the whole time. Uh, 1998. <laughs> you caught me. At the end of following, it turns out that in fact, who was conning who? It, the with layers, so many, like a like a dip for chips. Well, Cobb was conning the guy, right? <laughs> but also the layers. woman, because he murdered her. He conned he con, her right, he's, right out of her he's life. Top of con list. Woman's yeah. in the middle of con list. Right. Guys at the bottom of con right. list. Right. Top of con is is Cobb. Middle con is Lady. Bottom Cobb. Is uh con, con bottom con is cob cob's top con Jesus fucking Christ Chaka con all right enough hey could uh, you yeah. uh could you satirize this movie and make it about Twitter yeah oh because you're following it's someone. called a Twitter following <laughs> yes. Bully, oh, uh, bully. yes don't at me <laughs> <laughs> so this film he makes it yeah but you, uh, we, we mentioned we've established the fact that Cobb steals her life. Yeah, he kills her with a hammer. The ultimate theft. Uh, yeah, he kills her with a hammer. Because at the end scene, which is the one scene where I think Jeremy Theobald's maybe out of his depth as an actor. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's de- he's out of his that's depth. That's the one scene. That's the one where uh, John Nolan, the, the cop, is like, Hello, governor, you've, you've gone and killed a bird, haven't right, you? Right, because he doesn't talk like that. this whole kind of conversation they've been having has seemed pretty, uh, pretty civil. Yeah, he's like, oh, and then I was following people because right. of Cobb. You know, and this is why like, I'm confessing Cobb's murder. And they were like, well, we've never heard of this Cobb guy. No murder matches what you just said. No open cases like that. But interesting, that woman you've been talking about was murdered by... The hammer that had your fingerprints over it, which you've already admitted you used to hit someone else. Right. We know you were there it all of this. It had two kinds of blood on it. One was hers. So this right. all lines up. Off to the pokey with you. The pokey is what they call prison. That's the word I was looking for earlier. And the final shot is Cobb in slow motion. He looks towards the though. camera and then someone sort of passes in front. Yeah, and he's vanishes gone. into the crowd. <gasps> um, what? Where'd he go? But the scene that is kind of complicated in terms of what they're asking out of Theobald as an actor is that he realizes the level, the yeah, depth of con that he's of about to... the cons crash upon him. And, and But that there is, I think, this moment, what Nolan's trying to get at is that he almost is more impressed than anything else by the artistry of what happened around him. There's this weird, perverse sense of, like, God, it's beautiful. Like, it all lined up. I, I get that. And, of course, that's Nolan's whole thing in his right. movies, right. is to do that well. Right. Is that essentially he, like, lays, like, out this whole Rube Goldberg machine, and then the final act of the movie is he just, like, you know, he hits the car. And right. you watch it, like, loop the loop, and it, you know, does all this bullshit. And this is the movie where Nolan sort of tries to 
like call his own shot. Right. He tries to call his own shot, but his Rube Goldberg machine is mostly him just like pushing a Hot Wheels down the road. <laughs> right. And it just like comes crazy to loops. Stop. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's fine. But it's a little. Well, you're like, yeah. yeah. It's a little candy box of a movie. Look, it's yeah. one of those movies where like these movies I see sometimes, like, you know, if I saw it at a festival, if I saw it at a slam dance, yeah. which is where it premiered. The slammiest of dances. I would probably be like, oh, this is pretty well made. Like, yeah. I get it. Neat little Hitchcock movie. Great. Like, good job. Like, that that would be my reaction to yeah, it. Yeah, I'll say, I also, I just love... Uh, it's better than Praying with Anger, by a long shot. Definitely. It's better than Jurassic World. It's better than Jurassic World, sure. By a long shot. Uh, it's better than, like, but is it as good as, um? I feel like there's, oh, is it as good as Pie? No. No. Pie is an excellent movie made on a similar budget ben that has a lot more mood and atmosphere. Yes. Right. When like, were you talking about this? Well, David, much like Christopher Nolan, I've thrown a bit of a twist into this episode. Remember earlier when Ben made his joke about this show being adapted into the television series The Following and I acted like I couldn't tell if Ben was joking or not and then laughed heartily? Okay. Well, in fact, I had heard that joke before, David, because yesterday I was walking around this very neighborhood and happened to be passing by. There's a Ben on a smoke break outside of this very building where we're recording right now. Okay. Almost seemed too perfect. What the fuck is going on? Are we doing this for every episode? And Ben and I <laughs> talked a little bit about following, which we had both just rewatched, and right. he made that joke. And uh-huh. I said, Ben, that joke's really funny. Well, first I said, I can't tell if you're joking or not. <laughs> That's really unclear. Yeah. If, if you're joking, it's kind of funny. Okay, okay. If you're not joking, it just seems like a, a misunderstanding. Were you like on auditions make. yesterday? But my audition was very close by. Uh-huh. So I walked by Ben, he told me the joke, and I said, here's the grift. I'm going to pretend that I haven't heard that joke before. Wait, that was the entirety of the grift? Tell me the joke again on air tomorrow, and I'll act like I'd never heard it before. And you were none the wiser. <sighs> the, the, you need the, we need to put the noise in again Wrong. there. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was almost too perfect. What, do you, what does that mean, it was almost too perfect? In this context. It means that the quality of the setup was almost too perfect. You know, though. The circumstances were near perfect. This is so inconsequential. You literally could be making this up right now. But I'm not. And that's why it was almost too Too perfect. perfect. Great job, Because if it had seemed more consequential, you would doubt the veracity. But it's so banal and uninteresting that you would never second guess it. Which means I got away. With the perfect crime. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> Hiding a bit, the perfect crime. I pretended to laugh at a joke that I had already heard. A and crime you, of perjury. If you re- laugh perjury. If you rewind the tape, you'll remember I said, Ben, I can't tell if you're joking now or not. I knew he was joking because I had heard the joke already. This is, I would argue, our worst bit since Europa. <laughs> since the debates over Europa. I don't even remember what episode that's hey, on. All right. It's on. I love that moon way more than you do. Actually, 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 this is related. Did you see today that uh, NASA found two new moons of Jupiter? Well, yes, I heard that immediately because I'm did, the biggest I, fan of moons. But, yeah, but I do you have know, a Google but alert do on my do you phone. know how many moons Jupiter has now? 69. It just got bumped to 69, baby. Yeah, and Uranus must be jealous. And, and you Uranus the must be jealous. And Uranus must be jealous. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, do you know how many drops of Jupiter? The, how many drops Jupiter has? Boy, oh boy. Anyway. You mentioned train earlier. Yes. And let's get this train back the train, on the track. I saw the train movie. It was good. It's about the movie the, about train the band. No. 
No, I would not see such a movie. I'm tweeting this uh, to you right now, Ben. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, about Jupiter's moon. 69 moons, right? Ben and I ran into each other on the street <laughs> yesterday. Phone buzzed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's up? We talked about Darren Aronofsky, and Ben was saying that he prefers pie to this. And I was saying I feel like the difference between the two of them is Darren Aronofsky knew exactly what kind of filmmaker he wanted to be. Mm. And he knew he had limited resources, and he designed right. a movie at the full powers of what kind of film he wanted to make to those limited resources. Yeah, for sure. Christopher Nolan used a movie to figure out what kind of filmmaker he was. That's probably true. I mean, the other difference is Pi is not Darren Aronofsky's worst films. Worst film, in fact, it's one of his best films. Yes. Whereas this is Christopher Nolan's worst film. And if I was a film director, I'd probably be happier with the latter, not the former, being true. Sure. I uh, yeah. disagree. Well, you, we'll think, get to those you think Pi is one of his worst films? No, no, no. Uh, on this being Nolan's worst film. You think he's made a film worse than this? Yes. There's only one candidate. Yep. Yeah. And well, we'll get to it. I mean, to me, no, no. That movie's interesting. This movie's not interesting. It's fine, though. It's fine. Fine little movie. I think that movie's... Well, we'll talk about that later. Look, Mm -hmm. looking ahead. That is following. Uh, Don't you want to play the box office game? I do. I'm not saying I'm seeing the movie. I'm saying this is the proper conversation. Yeah. Uh, Now, you said this is... It came out in one theater. Yes, in New York City. In New York City only. And you said... But this we've is covered this weekend. a weekend we've covered already. So now, the, now the challenge is, can I remember what weekend it was? And can I recall the information that's already been revealed to me at some uh, previous point in time? Well, I'm going to tell you the date. Okay. And you'll probably know. Give me the date. April 2nd, 1999. April 2nd. Ooh, so it was May 98, didn't come out until 1999. Correct. April 2nd. It debuted at the Toronto International Film Festival. Uh, in September 98. Okay. So April 1999, we're like a month away from when Phantom Menace drops. True. The first film in the Phantom Menace trilogy. True. So Number one is a new movie. Number one is a new movie. We have discussed movie. this very list. We have discussed it. In a one-off or a miniseries? Miniseries. Okay, so it is not a James Cameron film. It is not a film by Cameron Crowe. No. It is a film by Steven Spielberg. No. It is not a film by M. Night Shyamalan. No. It is a film by the Wachowskis. It's called The Matrix. Yes, you did it. There okay. you go. Uh, it's the first weekend of The Matrix. Okay. So 27 million. That's why we've covered this weekend before, because right. it's The Matrix weekend. And I remember... Number two is another new movie, which you wanted to see more than The Matrix. And I thought was going to outgross The Matrix, and it was called 10 Things I Hate About You. Right. And number three is a remake of a comedy called... A remake of a comedy a called... A remake of an old comedy, oldish comedy. The Out-of-Towners? Correct. I also saw that weekend opening weekend. Yes. Right. And then number four is a mob comedy called... Analyze This. And number five is the one that you really took a long time to guess last time we did this. Oh, jeez. Uh, it's a sort of dramedy starring Ben Affleck. Oh, Forces of Nature? Yes. Yeah. Now, so with that out of the way... Yeah, done. I want to take you to the weekend that for some reason Box Office Mojo links me to... Because it actually has following, like, it actually has it listed. Okay, but it's the incorrect weekend, but we're going to play it. Is it, that ha- what you're it has okay. its gross okay. listed on this weekend okay. for some reason, which is two weekends later, April okay. 16th. This film grossed a total of $65,000. I mean, look, tidy profit. When it was only cost 6000 I mean, but you had to take it. To, he had to take it to. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It made more than that. It made. Uh, $240,000 worldwide. But you gotta pay for all those festival exactly. entry I was gonna fees. say, you gotta yeah. pay to submit it to Slamdance. You know, those Slamdance 
fees are hefty. So he probably lost $2 million. <laughs> I don't know. I doubt. I, I think because he did it all mostly himself, I think. Yeah. But at some yeah. point, I think someone snapped it up, some tiny distributor. Yeah. Number- it is interesting. This movie is a lot less kind of visually precise than his later films are. I mean, yeah. he becomes known well, he as was, sort of this Kubrickian control guy. For sure. But he allocates those responsibilities to a lot of people, you yeah. know? Yeah. But I mean, but that's the thing with this, obviously, you know, they literally could only shoot one or two takes, so. But I love, I, I mean, I don't know it's if it's. all handheld, the movie, yes. too, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's just because, like, I, I used to make, like, 16 millimeter black and white short films. Me. But it is, like, I get nostalgic watching this movie for how kind of, like, tactile it is and how much you can tell, like, the angles are. Uh, dictated by like literally how much room they had. Like a lot of the scenes that take place inside the apartment are just like, oh, this is a tiny apartment. They didn't have wide angle lenses. There's no lighting. He just had to hang out in the corner. Right. right. This is the angle they chose out of necessity. Uh, Yeah. It's not very pretty looking. It's just kind of like getting the job done. Um, I also just like like black and white uh, 60 millimeter because you just get all these shadows and it's just like those accidental pockets where like, oh, there's not enough light here and the movie becomes like just totally black for a second. Right. I always think it adds like, cool. I don't know. That's my little. I mean, he says that's why he shot in black and white yeah. because it, essentially you can make your cheap movie make look people... a lot less cheap. Yeah. And yeah. people disappear accidentally. Like there's these cool little accents that happen. Number like, one. Anyway, number one. At this weekend, just to give people a real box office game. Is, is it, it still The Matrix? No. The Matrix drops to number two. And then I think it comes back the following it weekend. It might, but okay. we're not talking about okay. that. Okay. In its third weekend, The Matrix drops to number two. Okay. It's display, it makes $17.9 in its third weekend, Big. which is very nice. Yeah. But it's displaced by an R-rated epic comedy that no one remembers exists and is mostly the reason I wanted... To bring this movie, because this, I can't imagine someone making this movie now. It is crazy that they made this movie. Uh, I don't I believe I know what movie it is. What is it? I mean, I, epic. Epic. Yeah. You're choosing the word epic in terms of the in, scope of the narrative? Yeah, exactly. In terms of the time of, like, right. told. The film is life with Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence, Correct. Right? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. They made a movie about two guys going to prison in, like, the 50s. Yeah. Is it, uh, the, it might even be like the 30s. I forget I think when it's, it's a, I think it's like the 30s or the 40s. And it's like an R-rated it's movie. It's the jazz age. Yeah, it's a dirty movie. It's also very sad. It's really sad. Because they sold it as like Eddie and Martin together for the first time. Yes. And in the trailers, they had like clips remember, of them in the old age makeup. Exactly. That was like a big selling point. They were trying to sell it like a Nerdy Professor movie. Right. They were trying really hard being like... Because mostly Eddie Murphy mostly was making your Dr. Doolittle's, your Nutty Professors, right. right? So they're like, yeah, look at them in old age makeup. Like, Which is like, the hoo, end. Hoo, hoo. That's the code of the film of, look, they still haven't gotten out of jail. But the trailer was mostly the last scene because that stuff felt goofier. Because the film is about, and it was directed by Ted Demi, right. who went on to make Blow. Jonathan Demi's uh, nephew, I believe. I think you're right. You know, who uh, made, made Beautiful Girls. He made The Ref, which is a great right, movie. Right. Uh, you know, he, and he died young, uh, which was sad. Um, but uh, but it's it's like pretty much a a drama. It's absolutely a drama. It's about two men who are wrongfully convicted of murder and they're spend their given a life, life sentence right. in a Mississippi prison. Right, and uh, yeah, they're stuck in jail. Ha 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 ha! Wait, but what are the hijinks? There's some hijinks. Uh, they try and There's fail to get out of jail. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, they go to like probation hearings and they're like, nope, you're still going to be in jail. They spend 65 years in prison trying to escape while making friends played by Bernie, Bernie Mac. Mac. Fizz on Love, I think, is one of them. Uh, is that right? I'm not I haven't seen it in forever. Uh, Bernie Bo- Mac's Bo- really Woodbine. fucking good. Yeah. yeah uh, Miguel A. Nunez Jr. Okay. Do you want a man himself? Uh, uh, yes, exactly. Anthony Anderson, Bobby, okay. Barry Shabaka Henley. 
Ah, uh, Barry Shabaka. Uh, you know, and then you've got some some white guys played by, say, Arlie Ernie or Ned Beatty or yeah. Nick Cassavetes, these sort of wardens, you yeah. know. Some of our finest actors who look like racists. Sure, exactly. And uh, it was made for $80 million. That was a big movie. That's crazy. And he was like on a big upswing at that point. He was. And this is the last basically movie I can think of where he makes like an R-rated filthy comedy. Yeah, this is like... Bowfinger's PG-13. It is the same same year. year. 99 was the last year where Eddie got his hands dirty. Damn. Well, he made Metro, but that's like 97 or 98, That was earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's like another like, then, filthy R-rated movie. By the time you get to like 2001, it's like it's it's Shrek and Doolittle. Yeah, because you know? after Life, right? There's Bowfinger, then Nutty Professor Two, which is of course an absolutely filthy movie. It just happens to be rated PG-13. But a giant really hamster dirty. rapes Larry Miller in Correct. that movie. Correct. That happens anally. Yes, that uh, happens in the movie on screen. That was also one of the first movies I remember to have a DVD release of like an unrated cut. Uh huh. Because, like, I, American okay. Pie kind yeah, of, like, no, popularized sure, sure. that, but, but that was, what, but like, what's your point? here's an R-rated movie, and then here's a slightly dirtier cut. Yeah, right, right And Nutty right. Professor, they were like, here's the R-rated here's cut. Here's the shit we cut out because like, it was so god-awful But, and like, disgusting. you have an R-rated cut of a movie you know in yeah, advance they, was designed to be a family movie? Yeah, like, that wasn't supposed to, to be do. dirty. I know, it got so dirty. But that was the beginning of that. I know, the, I know, I know. The cover of the box was Sherman Klump holding his hand up to his mouth in shock. And then he was yellow tape around his family, and it said, like, R-rated cut. That was the thing they would do. They would always put the yellow tape on the DVD. So naughty. What a naughty cut, Do you know what we're talking about, Ben? Like the unrated edition. Oh, yeah, all right. I'm going to pull up this picture. All right, so number two is The Matrix. Life's a good movie, though. That's an underrated movie. I think so, too. I think it's a good little movie, but it is kind of sad, and it is kind of long. There's that amazing fantasy sequence where they all talk about what they're going to do when they get out of jail. The sad point being, of course, that none of them are going to get out of jail. But Bernie Mac talks about like starting a club where everyone knows his name, and it's a place where everyone feels happy. Right. It's a, right. Yeah, it's a good movie. I like it. Um, I like Eddie Murphy. I like it too, and I like Eddie Murphy too. Number two is The Matrix. Number three is a rom com that had opened the week before. It's pretty cute. Pretty cute. It's about a journalist. About a journalist. But it's also a high school movie. Superman Returns. <laughs> well done. Thank you. A journalist. It's also a high school movie. It is called Never Been Kissed. And who's it directed by? You made one of your favorite movies. Yes. Give me one second. Give me one second. His name is. He directed the film called Scooby Doo. He did. And his name is Raja Gosnell. Correct. Well done. Thank that you. that I did not remember. Thank you. He also directed Big Mama's House, tying everything back together. Martin Lawrence, baby. Which I saw, I saw Big Mama's House in theaters. That's I saw a, it three times in theaters. That's my a dad terrible movie. demanded I go see it again with my grandfather. It was my dad's favorite movie. Uh, My so, grandfather loved it too. No he liked the part when the lady dad. poops. <laughs> I don't remember that. Uh, have you seen Big Mama's House, Benny? I haven't. I'm actually surprised. I'm surprised too. Big Mama's House is one of the sweatiest uh, like sequelization premises ever because the first movie is like, oh, there's an estranged husband who's like following and stalking this woman. You have to go undercover as her great aunt, Big Mama, in order to get close to her. And at the end of the movie, everyone finds out Tootsie style. Oh my God! It wasn't the Big Mama. It was Martin Lawrence. He, but he stopped the crime, and now they fall in love. Big Mama's house too. They're like, "You're back on the case. New case. You still have to go undercover as that woman's great aunt." Like he now has to like infiltrate a news. We need someone to pretend to be a babysitter. Why don't we stick with that? Very physically prohibitive costume from the producer. Three movies where they keep on making him dress up as this woman's great aunt, even though he's no longer, he's married to her now. He's not having to trick her. But he poops. 
He doesn't poop. She poops. Fine. Never, the real Big Mama poops. My dad loved it. You're right. Never been kissed. Also starring David Arquette. Yeah. Michael Varton. Yep. Uh, Molly uh, Shannon. Molly Shannon. Gary Marshall's in it. Hey. Uh, anyway, so there you go. Uh, number three, uh, number four, and number five are movies we've already discussed. On the show. Uh, just like literally, if, you know, just a few seconds ago. Uh, something I hit about you? But that's number five. What is staying put at number four? Forces of Nature? No. Three weeks later. Staying put. Very excited. Staying put. It's a comedy. R-rated comedy. But it's not. But why am I just freaking? We just, we just mentioned it. But it's not life? No. Right. It's number one. So then yeah. what's the other R-rated comedy? I don't know, man. You tell me. The DVD release of Night Professor 2 The Clubs. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. That wasn't it. <laughs> What fucking what's the other? It was number four in two weeks ago. Still number four now. It's sticking around. Doing a great job. What's I'm really f- hyping up the What's fact the final that it's domestic number, number? The final domestic? 106. Oh, analyze this. Right. That's <laughs> all he needed. Yeah, you got go in there. <laughs> there they are. All tied up. Oh, He's shocked. Damn, he is shocked. He's shocked. He, I'm showing them the cover of the Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps, uncensored director's cut. <laughs> Who directed that? Uh, I think it was Pete Seagal. Uh-huh. Uh, you've got Twin Dragons. Okay. That was the one where Jean-Claude Van Damme played twins. Dragons. Or was it Jackie Chan played twins? It's the one where Jackie Chan played twins. I've, okay. Yeah. Hence, I should have guessed that from Dragon. There's also one where uh, I believe Jean-Claude Van Damme played twins. Yes. And then there's Double Dragon, which is a movie based off the video game. Yes, but then also, what's the one with Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman called? Uh, double Team? Double. <laughs> See, I knew it was that. It is called Double Team, right? I, I thought I was making it dirtier, but that is what that movie's called. It's called right? Double Team. With Denise Richards? Uh, with uh, Mickey Rourke. I'm not is seeing Denise guy? Richards. Cindy Crawford? Who's the Natasha who's... Lin- Lindinger. Oh, okay. I don't know. Anyway, uh, they don't play by the rules is the uh, tagline for Double Team. Double Team. Um, so... That's the box office game. There we We're go. Following, following up into like one theater and made like a few grand. Yeah. Uh, but then Christopher Nolan would make another film. And then more. Boy, no spoilers. You'll find out and when no we No spoilers. He made more than one movie. He made more than one movie. But from this, he gets a $9 million budget to make his next movie. It's pretty, pretty good. Step up. It's pretty good. And he gets uh, two movie stars hot off the Matrix. He does. And one movie star hot off LA Confidential. Yeah. Hot off his David Sims Award for Best Actor yeah. in that movie. One Joy Pants is hot off my my Best Supporting Actor win. That's right. Um, yeah. Well, I look, in short, he gets to put on a, a finely made pair of Italian pants. Sorry, $4.5 million. I don't know where I got $9 million from. That's how much Memento costs. Pretty good on that budget. <sighs> okay. Well, hey, look, we got going on the Pod Night cast. We got That's going. what this, it's called? This is the first time we've done a miniseries episode. We've recorded a miniseries episode since... February. That's right. Isn't that crazy? To think it about? is crazy. It's fucking June. You're hearing this without breaks, but the mailbag episode and the Wonder Woman episode, which were both recorded over the last six weeks for us. Right. We're recording right. this in the middle of June. We haven't we haven't had like a proper a proper episode right. since then. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Well now I'm gonna go back to filming the tick for twelve more years. Uh please don't. And we'll record sometime after that, I guess. Yeah, we're, what do you mean? Of course we will. Jeez, yeah. that's going to be great. Yeah, cool. God, freaking me out. I'm joking. Yeah, I know. 
Thank you all for listening. Please mm-hmm. remember to rate, review, subscribe. Uh, you can check out our Reddit, which I've... Uh, it's blowing up. It's blown up. It sometimes gets a little too hot in there. I agree. Uh, I, I've been told you can actually just reddit.blankies.com will get you there instead of having to do the backslash R, backslash whatever. So just do that. Do that. Just do that. Let me try it. Reddit.blankies.com. Follow us on Twitter at Blank Check Pod. Check us out on Facebook at Blank Check Podcast. Uh, big thanks to Ange for Gudo for running our social media account, Pat Reynolds and Joe Bowen for doing our artwork, Lane Montgomery for the theme song. Uh, yep. Thanks to all those fine folks. Great people. Great people keep this show afloat. Uh, and, and as always. Mm hmm. Um, if you um, in- invite David to your uh, wedding, he will um, raise the roof. Thanks. Great. Hey, Ben. How are we doing? We're done. <laughs>